Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, May 12, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss all together now, camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black men. Norlander is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You got consent. And the big news of the day is that five-star forward Julian Phillips, who was the highest-ranked available class of 2022 prospect as of Thursday morning, He's no longer available. 6-8 forward announced his commitment on CBS Sports HQ Thursday afternoon. He has pledged his allegiance to the Tennessee Volunteers dead leg. Tell us what it means. That's going to have to be on you because you're the one who does the rankings, and I assume this is going to impact where the Vols are at. But before we get to that, I've got a trivia time. Okay. In billiards, what color is the number one color? Ball on the table. Yellow. Wow. Wow. That is correct. Yeah. That's. You think I didn't grow up with a pool table in my what? house? You had that in your pocket right away. You think I didn't grow up with a pool table in my house? I tried to swerve you on that. You were good to go. <laughs> okay. I, had pool, I had a pool table in my house growing up. Wow. I thought you might need, need a second. You had that ready and to go. That I, could actually, I could actually just see it. I didn't yeah. even have to oh, think about nice. it. I could just see it. You can see it when you when you put them up on the in its triangle. There you go. Okay. Our other trivia time is this. Five-star player, Julian Phillips. How many five-star recruits has Six. Rick Barnes landed? Six in the past four recruiting classes. Julian Phillips, Kennedy Chandler, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, and Josiah Jordan James. What else you got? The eight balls black. <laughs> He's on it. Let's go for the trifecta. Grant Williams currently st- not starring, but playing a role, playing a good role as an NBA player. Within 30 spots, where was he ranked and how many stars when he came out of high school? Um, three stars. Correct. And, and like 190. You're out of here. I'm about to walk off on this podcast right now. I'm about to leave. I'm about to hang it up. I'm about to get out of here. This is ridiculous. This is your high watermark. You're never repeating this. He was ranked 191. You didn't know that? <laughs> I swear to God. I, I, he was I, 191. I'm, I'm familiar with the Grant Williams story because I know he was heavy coming out of uh, high school. And that was, All right. And that was one of the reasons that he was under-recruited. He was you know, an undersized, heavy set front court player um, and obviously turned into a terrific player at Tennessee. What's interesting is that when Rick Barnes first got to Tennessee, like he was getting three-star guys. It was like Admiral Schofield, three-star guy, Grant Williams, three-star guy. He really was not recruiting at a high level. But then those three stars turned into a great college basketball team, won an SEC title, and then the recruiting upticked 
And now it's, you know, one five-star guy after, after another. How about you? Three for three? Give it to my guy. Is it, is it, is it maybe the best opening three minutes in podcast history for me personally? I thought I might. I thought going in, I was like, he's not going to get Grant. I don't know if he'll get the, he'll get the, the pool ball there. And I thought you, I thought you would have done your research and you'd have the six ready. So that didn't surprise. Yeah. I didn't even finish the damn question. And you had that. Now you get to tell us what this means because Phillips is going to be available next season. Again, sometimes you get these uh, commitments and it's for a player. That's the next year. So you got to wait a while. That's not the case. This is a late ad. Uh, Tennessee gets him over the likes of Auburn, USC overtime elite G league and all that, but he's going to be available next season. The latest five started to come through Knoxville to you. This takes Tennessee in your off season rankings from what spot now to what spot from I believe 14 up to 10. I've got Tennessee in the top 10 now. And I, I, I struggle with what to do. Like I've got it, you know, just to recap it, North Carolina one, number two, Houston, number three, Arkansas, number four, Kentucky, number five, Gonzaga, six, UCLA, seven, Baylor, eight, Kansas, nine, Duke, now 10, Tennessee. And, and I jumped them ahead of Creighton, Michigan, and Auburn and TCU, I believe. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that that feels about right. I mean, this is a Tennessee team that was a three seed in the NCAA tournament, but I thought should have been a two, regardless of what happened in the NCAA tournament. Right. I, I thought on Selection Sunday, they clearly had the resume uh, of a two seed. They finished ninth at Ken Palm, 27 and eight, won the SEC tournament, uh, finished, you know, one game back of the SEC champs in the regular season. And they, at least I've got them projected right now to bring four of the top five scores back from that team. Um, I know Josiah Jordan James is in the NBA draft. I think he's still in it, but I don't expect him to remain in it. And basically they re return every meaningful player, um, or, or at least I'll just keep it factual. They return four of the top five scores if he comes back, losing only Kennedy Chandler. Now, I, I, yes, losing Kennedy Chandler matters. He was a terrific one-and-done point guard. But when you bring four of the top five scores back from a team that finished top 10 at Kempom and add a five-star sort of, you know, combo forward like Julian Phillips, like that, that looks like a top 10 roster to me. It could be. I'll be interested to see if Phillips, uh, obviously a, a really, really good talent. And when you look at the, the former five stars, specifically just the five stars that he's had there, Chandler, Huntley Hatfield, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Josiah, Jordan, James. Who's it feel like has had the best college career? Stats unseen. When I say those names again, Kennedy Chandler, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Josiah Jordan James. Who's it feels like has the best college career of the of the five stars that came through Tennessee? Kennedy Chandler. I mean, uh, Huntley Hatfield's done nothing. Right. Uh, now transferred. Springer and Johnson were both good. Neither were great. They just weren't right. great. They weren't great. Also, I think they both might have had injury issue there there's a lot of stuff that went along with yeah it. and it took them a little while to get going like they became yeah. I, I believe the two best players or two of the better players but it, it took them a minute to get going they just weren't great college players they were really good prospects good. Yeah, yeah they were good they were good but they, they weren't great college players um just jordan james has just been solid you know he's just been a solid college player like if i didn't tell you he was a five-star recruit you would not watch him and go, Oh, that guy must've been a five-star recruit. And then Phillips, you know, we'll see what's interesting is, um, you know, they've got six 
five stars in the past four classes on next year's roster. Only two of them will still be there uh, if Josiah comes back and that'll be Julian Phillips and, and Josiah Jordan James. But, you know, I, I don't even think it's close. I think Kenny Chandler had the best college experience uh, of any of the five star recruits that have come through Tennessee under Rick Barnes. I agree. Uh, Chandler averaged 13.9 points, 4.7 dimes, 3.2 rebounds and shot 46% from the field. Uh, we'll obviously have a good chance of going in the first round here next month and be another, you know, quality pro level talent that'll have done a stop over there. But we're waiting on the guy that, that goes to Tennessee that is of this level coming out of high school. And I'm not saying it has to happen or it will happen, but I'm kind of waiting on the guy that gets to Tennessee and really like Chandler didn't quite get to that point. He wasn't the kind of player that, that really transformed the program. I don't know if Phillips will or won't be. Uh, Rick Barnes has relied on a, a combination here of getting this young talent in, obviously having guys that return, and to this point, having a decent amount of – better than decent amount of success. Now, what frustrates Tennessee fans is I think on the whole – you're happy with what Barnes has been able to do with your program. There's no doubt about that. Since he took over, remember, Donnie Tyndall was there for a year, got fired, 10-year show cause, disaster. Barnes comes in. It doesn't start immediately well. The recruiting classes aren't great. He wins 31 games combined his first two seasons. Since then, for the past five seasons, he's had an NCAA tournament team. They actually, we often talk about 2020. They would have gone to the tournament. Tennessee would not have. Tennessee did not have a good team in the pandemic season. But every other one, it's been a three, a two, a five in this coming off this past season. It's been a three seed. The frustration, I think, is live with Tennessee fans and that there has not been in Barnes fashion. I think when we did this earlier this year, I think I said Barnes has an all-time 500 record. It's something insane like what was that record, man? Was it like 25 and 25? Like it's, a, he's been to so many tournaments in the NCAA tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Right. He gets there. Uh, Tennessee has not yet made a deep run. It made the sweet 16 and run in 19. And that's when, you know, it went up, uh, when it had Schofield and it had Williams and got knocked out in that awesome game against Purdue, just like a classic, classic game. Um, but on the whole, while the team has been, really really good it has yet to be outright great i'm not saying phillips is going to be the guy to make it great i'm just curious if he's going to be the player that really you know becomes the star you know potential one and done talent i don't know it's just something i couldn't help but notice when i was looking back over gp at the one at the five star one and done types that have that have committed not that all of them become one and done they just haven't had that guy yet uh maybe they don't need that guy maybe they won't get that guy but phillips is the next in line to have the chance to indeed be that guy. And it's not like Rick Barnes has never had a fabulous freshman, just hadn't had one at Tennessee. He coached right. Kevin Durant at Texas. And Julian Phillips, if you watch the interview on CBS Sports HQ, he said, um, you know, Rick Barnes has a history of, of coaching great wings. And like Kevin Durant is the most obvious example uh, of that. And if you don't think Kevin Durant's still, the, the Kevin Durant story still helps Rick Barnes, when it comes to recruiting, you're crazy. Like that, that comes up all the time. I'm not saying it's a determining factor, but it, it's a thing that's that's brought up all the time. Um, there is no getting around the fact that Rick has had a lot of good teams throughout his career fall short in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, the the you know, the the you can go look it up. It's 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 easy to identify. And that is something that is becoming, even with Tennessee fans, part of his story. Um and I think even Rick would tell you, like, you know, they, they need to be better in March. You know, he's had number one teams and top 10 teams and top 20 teams and SEC champions. Like, but he, he's he's reached this place where Tennessee fans are, are like some, not all, are like, OK, this is great. This is great. But like, let's do it in the tournament. We're not doing enough in the tournament. Um, 
you know, perhaps this will be the type of team that can break through for him. But if you, you know, if you're trying to identify where frustration comes from Tennessee fans, it's it's rooted in that. They're happy with the way recruiting's going. Uh, they seem happy with the way the regular seasons are going. But the postseason success hasn't quite matched the other stuff yet. And eventually, you know, that, that stuff's got to all mesh together. And, 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 you know, the stuff that happens in November, December, January, February needs to translate to, to what you're trying to accomplish in March. But undeniably, he has set himself up once again to have a team that's good enough to not only advance in the bracket, but compete for a, a Final Four. Um, Adam Finkel, Finkelstein is obviously the director of scouting, 24-7 sports. Um, he, he like, like, listen, we, we know Julian Phillips, but we don't have to lie. We haven't scouted him 50 times. We, we haven't seen him as much as the yeah. recruiting analysts have. So I, I, I did want to share what Adam um, has has written about Julian Phillips from a, uh, a, a an evaluation uh, perspective. Here's what he wrote. While most credible evaluators agree that Julian Phillips is one of the top prospects in the class of 2022 within this range, it is appropriate that there is a fairly diverse set of opinions. It all depends on your criteria because his potential still exceeds his production. However, that potential is vast. He has positional size, skill, athleticism, and extreme fluidity. He shoots a softball and has all the physical tools necessary to be a competent defender, but he's not close to a finished product. There are still too many games that end without him making his mark in a manner consistent with his abilities. Again, that's from Adam Finkelstein, director of scouting 24-7 sports. Travis Branham, uh, also with 24-7 sports, was on CBS Sports HQ after the announcement. And when Jenny Dell asked him for like some player comps at the NBA level, he brought up Trey Murphy. He brought up uh, Mikel Bridges. In other words, long sort of combo forwards who can comfortably shoot from the perimeter. To be clear, he wasn't predicting he's going to be Trey Murphy or Mikel Bridges. Just if you're looking for, if you're a Tennessee fan unfamiliar and you're looking for what could theoretically this guy look like, you know, what you're hoping for is a Trey Murphy type player or a Mikel Bridges top player. But it's another big recruiting day for the SEC, um, which has had a, you know, a lot of big recruiting days, you know, over the past year. Right now, you know, the SEC, if you look at the recruiting rankings class of 2022, Arkansas's second, Alabama's third, Kentucky's 15th, Auburn's 16th, Ole Miss is 22nd, Vanderbilt's 23rd. You know, Tennessee doesn't even have a great class. They just got this great prospect. But, you know, it's another five-star guy coming into the SEC. The only league right now that's got more top 25 recruiting classes in the class of 2022 than the SEC is – Trivia time. Guess it. Say it again. SEC right now has six top 25 recruiting classes in 2022. Only one league has more. What league? Oh, man. I can't believe there's a league that has more. Uh, I, 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 I'm going the ACC by default, and I don't like my answer. That's the right answer. It is wow. the ACC. Uh, headlined, of course, by Duke at number one but i mean the sec is is wow. you know they, they they are locked and loaded right now they have got incredible coaches in that league um they're getting incredible players in that league and when you got incredible coaches and incredible players um that's usually a great mixture to make sure you get you know incredible basketball teams that can um, not only compete for national championships but but win them last thing here uh i was inspired to look up i do the i do that thing where 
coaches get hired, I wait four years and then I grade the hires, you know, actually once they've submitted work and I can actually grade them one on what they've done. So I did it in 2019 for Barnes. Uh, my Rick Barnes hire in 2019 was an A minus. By the way, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw not a bring hey, up. Hey, YouTube. Go ahead and nudge that like button if you would. And then you can smash it. Um, but you saw 25 and 25 is Barnes's all-time record. I gave him an A- in 2019. Um, I said if a Final Four appearance had come to be in 2019, this would have been an automatic A. Barnes has done wonders for Tennessee, though an 88 and 50 record at the time, of course. The recruitment and development of two-time SEC Player of the Year, Grant Williams, an SEC regular season title, a two-seed and a three-seed in consecutive seasons. Tennessee's 31-6 mark in 2018-19 matched for the most wins in, seasons, in a season in program history. My question for you, GP. Before we move on, last one. In 2019, I graded Rick Barnes as an A minus, which I think was fair at the time. Right now, on the heels of getting this, everything together, grade the Rick Barnes hire at Tennessee in its totality over the past, what are we at now? Seven seasons. One, two, three, four, five. He is now seven seasons going on his eighth. What would you grade the Barnes hire? And, and I guess an A. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say A. He hasn't made an elite A. Uh, no A. I can't go A. Yeah, Maybe but a like, minus B plus. I'd say B plus. He's he's had a tournament team four out of seven years. I'd say B plus. Yeah, I guess I'm more focused on you know like the first two. They just were what they were. I mean, he didn't get off to a good start, but and some of it was you know what he inherited, like whatever. Uh, but like in the past one, two, three, four, five seasons, he's got four NCAA tournaments. He's won games in three of the four. Uh, gone to a Sweet Sixteen. Should they have been better in? the tournament than they've been in the tournament. Yes. And so if you want to knock it down to a B for that, I think that's totally fair. Um, but like, I, I tend to look at, and, and I know this, I think this puts me in the minority. I tend to look at like, what do you do over a four month period of time, as opposed to how do you finish in the NCAA tournament? Like I don't dismiss everything you did just because you got bounced early in the NCAA tournament. Um, it, again, I, I'm not pretending that March isn't the most important thing and how you do in that tournament isn't the most important thing. But I think sometimes f some people will say stuff like, ah, yeah, we didn't have a good year. Well, I mean, you you finished top 10 at Ken Palm. You know, you won the SEC tournament. You won 27 games. You had an incredible year. And then you just lost in the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament. You had, a, you had an incredible season with a disappointing finish. I, I know that most people don't look at it that way, but I, I try to stay a little more balanced than that. Um, and, and when it comes to evaluating coaches, sort of, you know, how are they doing at their job? You know, how are they doing at their job? And he has basically for five straight years now, and I guess we're heading into a sixth, had, had Tennessee in an in a in incredibly great place to achieve great things. And he's done a lot of great stuff in the regular season, just hasn't quite capitalized on that in the NCAA tournament. So if you want to knock it down to a B because of that, that's fair. I won't argue with you. Um, but, you know, he had a team that finished top 10 at Kempom last season. He's got a team that's going to be in the top 10 of the top 25 and one heading into uh, next season. If you're a Tennessee fan, um, I think you got to be thrilled with that. And now you just hope that, you know, the March success you've been hoping for um, actually comes to, to fruition. Notre Dame coach, Mike Bray. Had some interesting comments earlier this week about coaches complaining about changes in college athletics. We'll get into that next. But first, a word from our sponsors. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Notre Dame coach Mike Bray had some interesting comments earlier this week about coaches complaining about changes to college athletics. Here's what he said. He said, we've got to stop complaining. This is the world we're in. And last time I checked, we make pretty good money. So everybody should shut up and adjust. Sounds like decent advice from Mike Bray. It sounds like uh, incredible advice. I'm going to expand on this because this was uh, that. Yeah. So there were the ACC meetings were earlier this week. They wrapped up today. Um, and, you know, a few writers went down to Amelia Island on Florida. You ever been to Amelia Island? Um, I believe so. Yes. I've, yeah. I've been, I've been to a lot of these. I used to go to the spring meetings all the time and it was like an amazing, it's a hell of a work assignment. No, a, unquestionably a great work assignment. Yeah, yeah. Like when, when I was a beat writer, I would go every year and it was like, you know, to the, for conference USA or the American, whatever league they were in at the time, I guess it was conference USA. It was, um, uh, like the Destin area, San Destin area. And you really just go down there and you sit outside of, a you know, hotel meeting rooms and you wait for people to wait, walk out and they tell you some stuff. And then uh, you, you knock out your work and, and look at the ocean. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good assignment. Uh, I, I went to big East uh, a couple of times, I think maybe once, once or twice. And uh, it felt like that was near sawgrass maybe, but like all of that, all the spring meetings are in great places. I've been to uh, Atlantic 10 before. I enjoy them. I'd like to go back. Yeah, I've never done that assignment, but I'd be I'd certainly be open to it. And these meetings with these conferences are going to be happening all across the month. So you're going to we're going to talk about what Bray said here, but you'll see the occasional headline trickle out over the next couple of weeks from, you know, the SEC is at the end of the month. So you'll get a commissioner, you'll get an AD, you'll get a coach. So there'll be more of this stuff coming as people trying to figure out NIL and whatnot. Andrew Carter, who does good work out of North Carolina. Here is the full Bray quote. Um, he said, I told a lot of young coaches when we were on the road in April, I said, we got to stop complaining. Like this is the world we're in. Last time I checked, you make pretty good money. So everyone should shut up and adjust. You know, that's just the world we're in now. And, you know, I'm not in it as long as the Josh Pastners and some of these young guys, uh, a side note, someone look up Josh Pastner's age. My guess is going to be 47. So good luck to you all. I'll be back in five years and see what's up. Just remember, man, we've had it pretty good here and it's a great job. It's high risk, high reward, but we all know what we signed up for. I don't have, an applause button loaded on my soundboard here. Uh, if I did, I would have it rolling and roaring right now because we're not going to relitigate all the NIL issues again on this pod. We got to talk about it plenty. We've talked about it. We won't get too deep into this, uh, but had to, had to give it up for Mike Bray. I heard from a few coaches after this, cause this went like, I don't know, semi-viral. Um, first of all, a lot of coaches have loved bitching about all this. 
for and if any coach was going to do this on the record and say this, of course it was going to be Mike Bray because Mike Bray has no insecurity. That has been evidenced in the way that he's run his program. It's been evidenced in a continually used photo of him without his shirt on after winning the Maui tournament circa 2017, I think that was, celebrating with his team in the locker room. <laughs> Harry chested with the lay on. I don't care. I'm Mike Bray. And he's always willing to give you things and say things on the record that many other coaches just aren't willing to go there. That's not to say that the issues that are out there, the complications, I had a conversation with the power conference coach an hour and a half ago about this very thing. And he was laying out why so many things with this collectives and the NIL, a lot of the coaches just don't know what the hell to do and why they're lost. And he wasn't complaining as much as he was just kind of laying it out. But Mike Bray saying we're millionaires. We got a pretty great job. Yeah. We got to work a little bit harder. You guys don't realize how bad you make us sound on the whole when you either bemoan this on the record, if you say it, you know, on background without attribution. And what do you know? As he very often is, Mike Bray, dead on and right, commend him for this. I think even more college football coaches should take his advice. Basketball as well. But the, when you get into the football space, last thing on this, GP, because I got to say that. I mean, shouts to Stuart Mandel. He brought this to my attention. Here's a quote from today. A booster isn't going to start, isn't going to offer a student athlete a big sum of money if they know if they come to the university and they have to sit out for a year. We need to do something to prevent an athlete from making as much money. This is Stuart Mandel uh, passing along Iowa AD Gary Barta's idea that we should go back to having players sit out a year if they want to transfer, which is never going to happen. You want to know why there are so many issues in college athletics and why this thing is going to take longer than it needs to to really get resolved? It's because you have so many people that have been functioning in the NCAA space literally for decades and the way they did it, the way they learned, the way they learned from their bosses when they got this job. The infrastructure of the actual business has been repressing the rights to a certain degree. I'm not saying across the board, but you get what I'm getting at here, GP. Student athletes did not have as much empowerment as many people believed and more and more and more have believed that they should. And so that these people that are well-meaning people in many instances, and they're very intelligent people in many instances, they say these things and it's like, what are you talking about, man? I cannot believe what Gary Barta said today. And it's what Mike Bray was getting at. Shut up. Stop complaining. Learn to adjust. Things are going to change. No one wants to hear multimillionaires bitch about what they can't do in an era of much overneeded change. Yeah, I don't um, – why do athletic directors or anybody else care how much money boosters are giving players? Like, why do you care? Like, I have never heard an athletic director say, if you made coaches sit out a year when they change jobs, boosters wouldn't give them so much money because that is who pays these coaches' salaries. It's boosters. The same people who are putting these collectives together are the same people who pay coaches' salaries. If you're not – if you don't care how much money Nick Saban or John Calipari or um, – anybody else makes why do you care how much basketball players or football players makes like why is that a point of concern for you what why, why are you so offended by student athletes being allowed to accept what somebody determines their value is worth I, I just don't understand it other than these are people who have been functioning like you said a certain way for so long that they are really struggling with the concept of things now being fair because they were so unfair for so long. It's weird. Things are finally fair. And yet there are certain people who work in college athletics who can't recognize that it's fair 
because they thought the unfair way was always the fair way. They don't understand that we went from unfair to fair. They think we went from fair to unfair. They've got it like completely backwards. And Gary Barda's quotes were, um, uh, were a good example of that. Um, back to Mike Brain's comments. Like, let me start by saying Mike's right. And I'm glad he said it. I even texted him and like, I was laughing at his other quotes. He had a quote about one of his assistants. He said, I've got an oh. assistant. It was great. He said, I've got an assistant who I was talking to the other day. And he came in and he said, coach, I wake up every morning. I read the Bible. And then I get it, dive right into the portal. He said, you got to switch that up, buddy. <laughs> you got to switch the order. <laughs> like that's, you can get, that's, that's more serious than it is getting, by the way. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Like, hey, you can, get to, yeah. you can get to God at noon. But like when we wake yeah. up. Let's check the portal and then we'll see what God's up to after we get out of the portal. Um, so I texted him and, and uh, you know, he, everybody likes Mike Prey and I, th those quotes are, are among the reasons why he's right. What I will say is that um, the thing he's most right about is it just doesn't come across the right way when you've got millionaire basketball coaches bitching about our job, like, uh, you know, do we have complicated, chaotic, demanding, stressful jobs? Yes, but we get paid a lot of money. There are other people who have complicated, chaotic, stressful jobs and are making $30,000, $40,000, even less than that in some ways. So it just doesn't play properly. So shut up. Just adjust and shut up and be appreciative you're making $2.8 million per year guaranteed five-year contract. Um, what, what I do think is true is that it's, it's very normal human nature to be frustrated just when you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've never, un, like you hear sometimes like you'll complain about something and relatively speaking, it's minor and somebody will point out, it. it could be your wife, husband, a friend, a boss. Um, they'll say, Hey, you know, it could be worse. Well, yeah, of course it could be worse. I, you know, like I, you know, all, all of my kids could be diagnosed with cancer. Of course it could be, it could always be worse. I got it. But that doesn't mean uh, it, it's, it, it's unreasonable to ever be frustrated by things. Like I get frustrated every day in my house about something, either somebody didn't throw, throw away a Capri Sun package, you know, um, somebody, somebody didn't That's close frustrating you badly. Loose like, Capri Sun on the counter. Dude, I mean, no, it's not a loose Capri Sun. They drink the Capri Sun. And then they just throw the Capri Sun package in the floor. And then, if, you know, an hour later, they'll it's go get a new coaching. I don't know what you want me to say. That's bad coaching. They're not They're, respecting you. You got an issue in your locker room right now. I've got locker room issues. There's no getting around it. Like last night. You got a locker room issue, and they refuse to transfer. That's it, the problem. It, it, oh, I wish my kids were getting the transfer portal. <laughs> I wish they would transfer. I've had enough. I, I, I've had enough. If my kids want to get in the transfer portal, Let's send them to Notre Dame. Let Mike Bray take, take control. I've had enough. I want a new team. <laughs> no, it's like I, it came to a head last night. I said, I said, I swear to God, if I find another Capri Sun package laying around, I'm never buying Capri Suns again. And they both looked at me at the same time, my little guys, like they had it planned. I know they didn't, but it's like they had it planned. And they both looked at me at the exact same time. And they said, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay don't buy them then like they don't believe me they, my threats are empty they don't believe me my threats are in because at the end of the day they gotta have something to drink you think i want to go downstairs and make something for them every time nope just get a capri sun package problem is i gotta walk around the house picking them up all the time so you know could it be worse of course it could be worse but i still get frustrated like i've got an amazing job you know what my job is basically 
I get paid to talk. How incredible is that? Right? Now, does that mean I never get frustrated at work? <laughs> you and I talk. <laughs> of course, you know I get you get frustrated. I get frustrated. We all get frustrated. And I think the seismic changes to college athletics has been frustrating for the majority of college coaches. They're dealing with things they never imagined having to deal with. They're dealing with things they, um, di- you know, um, are, are, they don't know how to deal with. Um, they're losing players in ways they never lost players before. They're having to compete for players in ways that they never competed for players before. So I think they're frustrating. They're frustrated. And I understand why. Like, I get it. But Mike's central point was it just makes us look bad when we're multimillionaire coaches complaining all the time, given what other people are dealing with. Like, there's not a Division One coach in America who – pays attention to gas prices because it doesn't really matter to them. There's not a division one coach in America who's been impacted by inflation because it doesn't really impact them that much. But there are millions of Americans who are like struggle in real ways with chaotic and, and stressful and demanding jobs. And uh, like Mike said, uh, you know, we don't need to be the ones complaining. There's a lot of people in this country who need to complain about their circumstances. We're probably uh, not in that group. So if you're frustrated, understandable, but just zip it and focus and adjust and adapt. And, you know, your direct deposits will still be there every two weeks. Take a look at them if you start feeling sorry for yourself. Um, so that's that. And then um, there has been some really sad news over mm-hmm. the past yeah. week that, um, you know, has been reported since the last time you and I were on the podcast. And that's that former Michigan state star, Adrian Payne, uh, former lottery pick uh, was murdered early Monday um, at the age of 31. You know, you and I both were around Adrian a lot. I don't want to say got to know him. Like, you know, I, I wasn't texting Adrian Payne last week or anything like that, but we were around him a lot because he was a, prominent college basketball player for one of the best college basketball programs and a hall of fame coach. And, um, you know, like, you know, he had the uh, relationship with the young girl um, who was a a cancer patient. It became one of the sweetest stories in college basketball. Like Adrian Payne was a significant figure in the sport. He played in the NBA, had been playing overseas and you hear this news on Monday and it's just like, ugh. And then I'll be honest, um, and I'm, I'm not uh, proud of this, but my my head immediately goes to, Ugh, what was Adrian Payne up to? You know, like what was what was he up to? Shot in the middle of the night, like that's man, what a sad, tragic story. Like let's start there. But I wonder, is this going to be one of those things where you find out, boy, what were you doing, Adrian Payne? And then you find out wasn't doing anything except trying to be a good guy. Uh, as the police report shows, his girlfriend got a call from one of her friends and asked if her and Adrian would come over and just like sort of help calm a potential not so calm situation because this woman and her boyfriend had a volatile relationship. And, you know, maybe if Adrian and, and Adrian's girlfriend were there, they could keep things under control. So Adrian Payne goes there, according to the police report, under those pretenses. And he's shot. One shot. 
and pronounced dead at the hospital, age of 31, leaving a child without a father. And it, it just breaks your heart. I mean, that Michigan State program has been through one, mm-hmm. you know, awful thing after another with former players, you know, in recent years. You know, I mean, literally have a, a murder victim and a convicted murderer, you know, in Adrian Payne and, and I believe it's Keith Appling. Is that, please tell me that's right. I don't want to misidentify somebody um, who has had a, you know, an awful post playing uh, life. And, you know, I know that's really hard on Tom Izzo because he, you know, he cares deeply about these players and you get close to these players and then you watch them struggle. And on some level, it's like watching one of your own kids uh, struggle. And then you watch something so senseless and tragic happen to Adrian Payne and it just, it breaks your heart. And it really does make you wonder, or at least it made me wonder, like, what would you do in that situation? Like, you know, like, what if one of my wife's friends called her and said, hey, can you and Gary come over? Like, you know, that things are getting a little not great. And I don't want to end up in a, you know, a, a, a physical altercation. So could you guys come over and just sort of help calm things down? You know, my instincts would be, of course, let's go. Well, like, first, I would say, like, don't call it like you got to have better options than me. Uh, but, you know, if, if I get the phone call, uh, sh- sure, let's go. But like, that's all Adrian Payne did. And then like, you know, five minutes after he got there, he was dead. Um, it just makes, uh, I don't know, like anytime somebody dies tragically too young, uh, it's sad and senseless. Um, when somebody dies, best I can tell, only because they were trying to do something good and help another person, that is not only sad, but infuriating. And um, the alleged shooter has been charged with first degree murder. And unless there's something about this that um, we haven't been told yet, this looks like a pretty open and shut case. And I hope he's convicted and punished to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, what a needless tragedy. Um, yeah, Adrian Payne, man. Uh, I remember sitting with him. I went to Michigan State Midnight Madness. This must have been 2013, maybe. Um, had a wonderful chat with him uh, in the locker room the day before, I guess, all that happened. Uh, and he played. Yeah, he was at Michigan State from 2010 to 2014. Um, went 15th overall to the Hawks in 2014. Um, I mean, you know, what's interesting is what he carried a very, uh, a very good reputation. You mentioned. Um, what happened with uh, Lacey Hallsworth, which was the young girl with terminal cancer. Um, after he had left, there was a there was a sexual assault case with actually him and Appling. He was never charged, but uh, it was one of those things after the fact where, you know, Michigan State wasn't tied to the Larry Nassar stuff. But uh, Adrian Payne being involved in that um, was part of, I think, an evolution in terms of how sports reporting on the whole uh, considers how we uh, frame things, how we should responsibly report on stories and, uh, and take allegations seriously. Again, he was never charged, but it was part of, it was part of his, uh, of his, of his story um, at Michigan state, but he was drafted by all counts, a wonderful father. He actually, I believe, you know, he had a, if you check through his Twitter timeline, he, his, his young son uh, had uh, a medical issue that he was working through last year. And, I want to give you um, 
where he played to kind of, you know, it, what a senseless, awful thing this is. I, the fact that he's no longer with us is, uh, frankly, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. I was, you know, able to trade text with Tom Izzo earlier in the week and he expressed, you know, shock at, at how senseless this was. And, it, that, that, you know, I, I spoke with Dwayne Stevens, who obviously coached him as well at Michigan State and now, He's now at his first uh, at his first head coaching gig, and you know these coaches that that coach these guys and they and they help them move along through college. Like Adrian Payne is a vintage, great Michigan State successor. Draymond Green has talked about it. Was uh, a teammate of Draymond Green's. You know, goes there for four years and becomes a, a top fifteen overall pick. You know, does it the way that it used to happen and doesn't happen all that often anymore. Um, he played it with the Hawks. Then he went down to the G League, which was then the D League. Fort Wayne and Austin. Then he gets the call up and plays with the Timberwolves for two seasons. Then he goes back down to play in Erie, Pennsylvania, goes back up to the magic for part of the season in 2017, 18 gets called back down to their G league franchise. Then he's in Greece. He's in Asia, goes back to Greece, uh, moves along to go play in the Euro league in France. This is all in, in recent years. Uh, last year he played for OGM Ormanspor, which is in, Turkey and then play with Juventus uh, Utena earlier this year, which is the Lithuanian league. You know, he was a really, really good college basketball player uh, developed into really one of the best players that Michigan state had ever had got picked in the first round. But this is the, this is the road for so many. You want to, you want to have a good picture of how hard it is to make it in the league and stick in the league. Adrian Payne loved playing basketball was willing to do whatever he had to i'm gonna count right now one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen different spots after leaving michigan state he was 31 years old um and in his off season here trying to do the right thing senselessly killed you know i'm glad you decided to bring this up on the pod because i did want to at least you know uh address this because he was more known for what he did at michigan state and that's another angle to all this um where oftentimes what you do in college and this is to kind of loop it back in a, a, a really, you know, I'm going to stretch this a bit, but one of the reasons why coaches are having a hard time grasping like this, a transfer portal and all this stuff is, you know, the idea that if you go somewhere, you stay there, you kind of, you, you graduate, you will be associated and have a connection with the program and with the school and with the fan base and an alumni group forever. And Adrian Payne, that was, you know, he's gone five decades minimally before he should have been gone. Um, but it was, we're talking about him because he was more well known for what he did as a college player at Michigan state and what he was able to do there versus being the journeyman he was at the NBA level. And then spending the past, you know, four or four and a half years, uh, earning a paycheck playing overseas in multiple different spots there. That's really the reality of what it's like to get to the league and then try and stick and really what, uh, what a path, uh, will lead to you. But as for him being murdered, a horrendous story, um, particularly when you learn the details of how it actually all happened there. One shot, you're gone, trying to do the right thing. So uh, certainly thoughts, prayers, and um, only our best to uh, to all who know and uh, and love Adrian Payne. Just to add some context uh, real quick uh, in the spirit of sharing as much of the story as we can, um, the shooter, uh, you know, did, did call 911 and, and report the shooting and, you know, handed over the gun and, uh, claimed self-defense, uh, basically claimed that he was threatened by Adrian Payne and thought that Adrian had a a weapon. But um, there was surveillance video, like I'm assuming from houses, you know, on the street that caught the altercation. 
and there's also witnesses and literally nobody um, as according to the police report is backing that version of events uh, there's nothing on surveillance that shows adrian Payne threatening or being aggressive uh, there's no weapon on him there's no weapon in the car um, this sounds like a, a situation where a violent person got violent and then tried to concoct a story uh, to legally justify it and if you follow the news at all if you're going to try to justify shooting somebody florida is a great place to do it you, you at least got a shot down there but it doesn't seem like this one's gonna fly um Adrian Payne was, according to the police report, there as a peacemaker or a peacekeeper and ended up shot dead. Just an awful, awful, awful story. But it was nice to hear so many former Michigan State players, uh, you know, speak about him. Um, it, 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 I think, highlights how his uh, fellow Michigan State alums and former teammates feel about him. And Draymond Green... Um, is using the stage that the NBA playoffs post-game press conferences provide um, to to bring attention to this tragedy, and has already pledged to donate you know six figures, and is pushing other Michigan State alums like Jaron Jackson Jr., you know Miles Bridges, uh, other guys who have money because they play basketball professionally, um, to do the same and make sure that you know Adrian's family, particularly his his, his son is taken care of. So it's nice to to see those people, you know, rally around this situation in this way. Um, it'd just be nice if if they didn't have to. Awkward ending. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we'd appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to to hit the like button before you get out of here. And we'll talk to you again uh, no later than Monday. Until then, take care. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.